Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in college, I was in a production of a Stephen Sondheim musical. And I had a very small part, don't worry. But one night, in front of a sold-out crowd, someone in the audience had a heart attack. Now, this was weird, right? And don't worry, everything turned out just fine. But here's how this happened, okay? We're in the middle of the musical, and at this point, my friend Scott, who's one of the lead characters, he's singing a song, and it's a Sondheim musical, so it's an extremely long, very complicated, very dark, but also really beautiful and really interesting song. And if you don't hear this song and hear all of these incredibly complex but fascinating and important lyrics, you kind of miss the whole point of the show. Right? It's a crucially important scene. So here's what happened. Scott is singing at the very edge of the stage. Guy has a heart attack. His companion walks out, and to do so, he had to walk literally in front of Scott's face as he sang. Didn't miss a beat. He goes out, he gets uh, the attention of the ushers, the ushers call the paramedics, it's a university hospital, it's right next door, the paramedics come, they walk right by Scott's face as he's singing, they go up the aisle, they get the guy, they carry him down the aisle, right past Scott's face, still singing, he is in the ambulance and on his way out before the song is over. He did a fantastic job holding his poise and singing that song, but here's the deal. How many people do you think heard every word that Scott was singing in this crucially important song? And how many folks yet after dinner drinks that night or after the theater were talking about the guy with the heart attack, right? This morning we hear a story from Scripture that Bible translators and editors of the English Bibles that we have have slapped another title on. And As often happens, I worry that the title they have slapped on this story invites us to miss the point. In almost any Bible I've ever seen, this story is called what? Peter's Denial, right? In all four Gospels, Peter is given the chance to claim that he knows Jesus, that he belongs to Jesus, that he loves Jesus, that he's one of the disciples, and in all four Gospels, he fails. But what else was he going to do, right? Jesus told him he was going to fail. But still, Peter's denial hangs out there as the cock crows and his shame sets in. And in some Gospels, he weeps and weeps in frustration at himself. That's the story, right? Peter, this delightfully terrible human being, Peter. Peter who just a few verses ago was in the garden with Jesus when all the powers arrayed against him show up to take him into custody and bring him to trial, put him to death. Peter drew a sword and cut off the ear of a slave named Malchus because somehow he thought he and his little sword were going to beat back all the powers of empire. But he was brave and courageous in the face of death and he was ready to stand up for Jesus. But now... Just a few verses later, delightfully terrible human Peter decries ever even knowing Jesus. Never knew the man. 
And I think the reason that Peter's story is such a powerful one, remembered so often, and one that we focus on, is that Peter is just like us. Or at least Peter is the best and the worst of what we aspire to and want to avoid as disciples of Jesus Christ. Right? Peter is often right. Peter often gets the answers right. And Peter also often fumbles and stumbles and says the wrong things. Peter is courageous and Peter is cowardly. Peter is successful and Peter fails. Peter says and believes all kinds of different things all over the map throughout his life. Peter is like us. And so when Peter, strong, brave, weird Peter, fumbles and falls, of course we remember. I at least read this story and begin to ponder myself. What would I have said? You know, in, in the world in which we live, in all of the forces arrayed against the gospel of love and peace and justice and Jesus Christ, what would I say? Would I claim Jesus as my Savior? Would I speak that truth or would I shy away, hide in the corner, just warm by the fire? What would you say? I don't think I'm the only one whom this story invites to ponder. What, what is our relationship to Jesus, right? And what would we say when the going gets tough? Would we be the Peter with the sword, bravely defending Jesus, although Jesus thought that was kind of a dumb idea? Or would we be Peter in the other garden, denying that we ever met him? Well, here's the thing. Ultimately, I'm not sure it matters. I'm not sure that's the point at all. I get why that's our focus. Sometimes we like to see other people fumble and fail because it makes us feel better about those few times that we succeed. I get why we focus on Peter. But something else is happening altogether in this story. There's something else happening on stage. And I, I don't want to miss that. You see, while Peter is in the garden at the fire with these other slaves and police denying ever knowing Jesus, that same Jesus is on stage. He's in the palace. He's being interrogated. He, too, is on trial. And it's his trial that matters. Because it's his trial that will ultimately lead to his death. It's his trial that takes us to the cross. And it's at the cross where God does God's most magnificent work. That's where our attention ought to be. The gospel writer told us so. You see, this story begins and ends with Peter's denial. It's like a sandwich, right? And the story of Jesus on trial is in the middle. Well, in a sandwich, the bread is, you know, well, it's not very good for you all the time, but it's there. But it's the meat that matters, right? When gospel writers tell a story like that, they want to draw your attention to what's happening in the middle. This story, friends, is not about Peter. Peter is a, a bit part in this play. The story is about Jesus. The story is about what God is doing in God's undying love through Jesus Christ. That's where our attention ought to be. Because here's the thing. 
Peter's successes and failures as a person, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, Peter's successes and failures do not save or condemn him or us. Peter's successes and failures as a person and disciple will not save or condemn him or us. Your successes and failures as a person, a disciple of Jesus Christ, will not save or condemn you. The work is being done by Jesus. That's where our eyes ought to be drawn. He told us so. It was another story. We might have missed it then, too. It was just a few weeks ago when Vicar Marissa preached a masterful sermon about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. There's that beautiful scene where Peter, again, beautiful, lovable, fallible, ridiculous Peter, sticks his dirty foot, not in the waters of life, but instead squarely in his mouth. But finally, Jesus washes his feet after that weird conversation And Peter and the rest of the disciples, their feet still wet with Jesus' undying love, with the waters of life. Jesus says to Peter and the rest of them, one will betray and one will deny. And yeah, it's you. To which Peter responds, no way. I would die for you. Oh, Peter. And that's what Jesus says. Oh, Peter. You would die for me? You hear what's happening here? You would die for me? You got that backwards, huh? I'm dying for you. For all of you. For this whole world that God so desperately loves. That's what's happening in this passion story. It's Jesus' passion, not Peter's. Peter fumbles and fails, to be sure. He does all the time. There's nothing new. And yes, Peter will live to love another day. And yes, at the end of the story, Jesus will forgive Peter. They will be back together. Peter will be commissioned. And yes, eventually, Peter will die because of his relationship with Jesus. But not yet. Jesus goes first. Christ always goes first. That's what this season is all about. And so, yes, we gather here as people whose hearts are breaking or whose hearts are full of joy. We gather as people who are fearful, who are faltering, who are failing, who are fumbling, who are succeeding, who are achieving, who are whatever. We gather as people who are measured. We measure ourselves and one another. And our hearts are full and our hearts are breaking. And yet, we gather here to try as best we can together, encouraged by one another, try to listen instead to the song of love that God is singing on the cross. That's where our attention is drawn. That's where this story matters. 
or in the words of a song that was really kind of excessively popular when I was a kid, a contemporary Christian song, we gather here to watch the Lamb. Look to Jesus, friends, not to your own faults and failures, not to your own successes and achievements. Look to Christ. For that, that is the song of love that God is singing. And that will make all the difference in the world. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.